Is our water is our water clean? Kind of an important question, and it's been a big source of discussion and controversy, lawsuits, you know, been a lot of issues with keeping our water clean, water quality here in Whatcom County over the years. And it's something that the farming community has really embraced, particularly in the last several years, to try to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep the water in our streams and ultimately out in the bay for the shellfish and all of that, uh, keep that clean. But what, what's going on? You know, we've been talking about a lot of other stuff lately. We've been talking about this issue with uh, adjudication and water quantity and what the future could hold with that. We've been talking about legal stuff and, and different issues with manure and groundwater and all kinds of stuff here on the program and with the advocacy work that I do with Save Family Farming and, and Watkin Family Farmers. Welcome back to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop. Uh, with you here on KGMI. Uh, Whatcom Family Farmers Executive Director uh, Fred Lickle is with us this morning as well. Fred, Thank thanks you, for being here. And what you've been telling me is there's some, there's some really positive results that we've seen overall in the last you know, recent months and, and years on improving the water quality, but there are some points for concern as well and Always things is. that our whole community whether it's the farming community or our cities or homeowners with septic tanks people with pets pooping by streams everybody needs to continue to take this seriously also joining us this morning with the whatcom conservation district their water quality data coordinator megan harris welcome to the program uh this morning megan is that is that right there, there's you know there's a lot of good news but there are, are reasons where we need to keep working at this and, and we need to keep on top of some things yeah dylan thanks for having me and i think that's um a really great summary of where we're at we've seen some pretty big improvements in the last five and ten years in water quality and a lot of that's due to farmers and and others working hard to protect our waterways and um, yet fall can be a challenging time for us with all this rain that we get so an extra time to pay special attention yeah what explain what happens in the fall e either of you fred or, or or megan why is the time of year important to the quality of the water in our streams and and the bay well, yeah. Sure. Well, let me take a shot at that, Megan. First, I have to, before I go any further, um, uh, want everybody out here for Dylan's listeners to understand that he's he's in a bit of a daze today, and uh, <laughs> the the reason that he's in a bit of a daze is we sit here uh, in the Wacom Family Farmers. We can almost call it a studio now, Dylan. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. Office slash studio. yeah, office yeah. slash studio is is that uh, Dylan had. His third little girl, he and his wife, this week. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. didn't birth the child well, myself. You, you play a significant role in this, yeah, Dylan. So let's, let's, I, yeah. let's stick with that. And, and it's it's been quite the ride, but thankfully, mom and baby and everybody are are happy and healthy and. And okay. We're doing good. Well, well, congratulations from me and from everybody else out there. I'm sure Thank they'd you. love to hear that. So, Thank you. Um, I'll take a first stab at you know why is is you know the water quality thinks such an issue, and it's it's probably I think it's probably good for us to go back in history here a little ways and realize that the shellfish beds in in Portage Bay uh, were completely closed in the I believe it was starting in 1996 because of mm. 
water quality issues. Um, and they very quickly figured out that there were some significant issues there, including with the dairies. And there was a lot of work to clean it up. Um, and I believe it was in 2005 when they were opened completely back up again. And people were really happy with that. Um, then uh, several years later, we started to see some declines in water quality. And um, we ended up having to partially close them again um, in the spring and in the fall months, um, April, May, June, as well as October, November, December. And you really saw some work redoubled to in order to work at getting those uh, open again. And we were successful a couple of years ago getting them open in the spring, but we're still having some challenges in the fall. Uh, that's where we end up still having some difficulties. So it, you know, it's it's been kind of interesting to see how that works. At the same time, we're also seeing some work in Drayton Harbor that's been working really well. We have the shellfish beds completely open there. But I know Meg, you can probably speak a little bit more into why it is exactly. Meg is as the water quality coordinator and does a lot of data analysis and does a lot of good work on that. What is it that you're really seeing in the fall? Why is it that we see you believe those shellfish beds are are still closed then? Yeah, well, thanks. And when we talk about this water quality as a whole, most of you who've been paying attention to this issue know we're mostly talking about bacteria. And you might have heard things like E. coli and fecal coliform, which come from a variety of sources and, and can make us sick as, as humans when we, um, when we recreate in water, but also especially when we eat shellfish um, out of these waters. So um, with these fall rains tend to come runoff on the landscape. Um, the water, the, the rainfall washes, you know, everything from stormwater to, um, to agricultural runoff, um, water down our roads, which we haven't yeah. seen yet this fall, but we probably will yep. um, as we see flooding and things. And, and with all that water comes, um, comes that bacteria off the landscape, some of which, um, you know, comes from a variety of sources, like Dylan had mentioned early, from um, dog poop that hasn't gotten picked up um, to to city city stormwater runoff. So, you know, on that point about dog poop, just briefly, you know, <laughs> you guys have have um, really sounded the alarm on that in the last couple of years, in particular, to to go on kind of a campaign and let people know, pick up your dog poop. I know some people probably still say, oh, come on, how big of a difference can, you know, dog poop or pet poop, whatever, actually make? Does it actually make that big of a difference, Megan? You know, it really can. Um, what those of us who are nerdy enough to study the science of, <laughs> you know, bacteria in this poop, um, there's a surprising amount of bacteria in in this poop, in dog poop, um, just as much as there would be if we as humans pooped on the landscape. Mm. Wow. And um, and so we've been really working hard over, um, especially this last year at the district. Um, to to get pet waste stations out to encourage folks to pick up with our um, poop pledges and the county has been doing a lot of work on that too so um, I would encourage folks to check out our website if you're interested in signing up for a pick up your poop pledge and just to better understand the concerns around our dog waste and you know a lot of us are out um, with COVID we're staying home a little bit more but we yeah. are out walking pets and um, you know, using our local trails. And so we see a big impact of um, just people sticking close to home, but enjoying their time outside um, with their pets. And I think the dogs are happy getting walked more, but it's yeah, an especially yeah. important time to be, to be mindful of those. Um, 
So Those Meg, you're duties. the you're the tech nerd, as you like to say, um, and and you have done. You're kind a of a lot. nerd too, Fred. Well, yeah, of course I am. I, <laughs> no, you're <laughs> happily happily. You aren't going to get out of this one. I, I look at this. Matter of fact, I, I've had her send me her data because she gave a really cool presentation this week at the Shellfish Advisory Committee meetings and. Okay, so the shellfish beds are closed in the fall. What's exactly going on with those shellfish beds? Apparently, they're much higher in the fall. And why do you think that is? What, and and is when you say really the shellfish beds, you mean the Portage Bay, right, Fred? Right. Excuse me, the Portage Bay. But often, yeah, that's where we see that right. those counts are, are, are quite a bit higher in the fall. Why, why do you think that is? And what is it exactly what we're seeing there as far as trends? Yeah, so, so Portage Bay... Um, Portage Bay sits by the Lummi Peninsula, kind of on the north end of Bellingham Bay, and it's the point that the Nooksack River comes into our marine waters. So anything that's flowing down the Nooksack River, you know, all the way, if we think all the way up to Mount Baker and the north, middle, and south forks of the Nooksack, um, through Everson, through a lot of our farm and agricultural lands, down through, you know, the city of Linden and the city of Ferndale, um, all that water ends up in the bay eventually. And... In the fall, we see um, what we like to call these uh, big flushing events or first flush events where rains that we get throughout across that landscape are entering the Nooksack River and end up in the bay. Um, we, see, we see higher bacteria concentrations with those rains, and we also see what we, what we call loading, which is you know a combination of how high the bacteria is with just a lot of water coming through the system. So the right. potential for a lot of bacteria to to really be entering the marine waters and sitting over the shellfish beds. So even though we get we get probably just as much if not more rain in say January or March or January, February, March, it's October, November, December that we're seeing more fecal coliform, more bacteria because of this loading, because of this, uh, because it's been building up during the summer and it's been dry. Is that what you're trying to say there? Yeah, yeah. A lot of our smaller waterways, you know, um, small ditches that are flowing into other creeks or even, you know, um, the F Fish Trap Creek or Bertrand Creek that have been running at really low levels um, through the summer, we see bacteria kind of building up over the summer. Um, sometimes it's Sometimes it's right along the waterways, like wildlife have been using those corridors all summer. Um, sometimes it's other activities on the landscape. You know, summer is um, the, the time that we're a lot more active um, out on farmlands. And, and so as that kind of hasn't flushed through the system yet, once it does, once we get these rains, um, just like... Just like roadways are the most unsafe, right, when we get the first bit of rain um, and then, you know, the rain flushes and they cl and the roadways become a lot safer, we, we see the exact same thing on the landscape. So by the time we're getting into January, um, a lot of that bacteria has traveled through the system already. Um, okay. We also don't have um, any of that activity. You know, we've we've gotten animals off of pastures um, because animals don't like to, to stand up to their knees in water anyways. Right. <laughs> sure. So yeah. um, and not good for the pastures we, to be out in the mud. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So things that we do all summer, which are great um, practices, you know, grazing animals out on, out on pasture, people are pulling in animals about now or already have, mm -hmm. um, especially in areas they know are wet. Um, and so that's, 
that's part of this transition time. Sure. You know, follows a transition time in a lot of ways and, and in this way as well. So you, you mentioned earlier, Dylan, talked a little bit about dogs. And I know that we've, we've talked about different sources. And I know that one of the farmers, the things the farmers talk about to me an awful lot is, boy, we're seeing an awful lot more birds out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you guys did a little bit of a DNA study a few years ago. And I, if I remember correctly, you're looking at maybe doing a little something else this year. Can you tell us a little bit more about where thing, things are working on DNA? I know, um, yeah, the Conservation District is not just looking at that, but they've, it seems to me they've done a couple other things as well. So what, what's some of the new things that are going on there that will help us maybe kind of focus in on where these fecal coliform issues are coming from? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And um, it is one of the challenges of this bacteria because there are so many different sources, uh, potential sources of it. So environmental DNA has is a tool that can help us answer to some extent where is this bacteria coming from. Um, we've worked with a local lab to characterize different types of sources. So everything from um, septic systems and sewer to um, geese on the landscape and starlings, migratory birds, seagulls, um, cattle, horses, the whole gamut of small farm animals, um, you know, pigs, goats, llamas, sheep, um, to try to understand what their bacteria signature looks like in their poop, um, to put it bluntly. And, And in doing that, we have, we can create a better picture of when we see this fecal bacteria, where it might be coming from and how we can work with landowners um, to address sources um, or identify places where this bacteria really is coming from natural sources like migratory birds or deer on the landscape um, or raccoons, you know, living, um, creating their little latrines right around some of our waterways. Yes, they are known for that, (laughs) aren't they not? Yeah, so So I I know that... Yeah, this fall we're actually doing, um, we're trying to build on some past work and really um, collect a lot of bird scat of of a variety of species to create that bacterial fingerprint, if you will, and better better be able to show, you know, what, what fecal bacteria from birds looks like. Well, that sounds like fun work, doesn't it, Dylan? Just, uh, <laughs> but important work. I, I yeah. do know that this is, you know, it's something that our farmers talk about an awful lot. Yeah. Is that they're at, we've actually had farmers that are losing crops increasingly in the spring um, to just because there's so much, there, there's so many birds out there now, migratory birds out there, and it seems like that's increasing. I know that we're also working potentially with the Department of Fish and Wildlife to to, to increase potentially hunting at different seasons in order to to help um, move some of these birds off of different areas because it can be quite you know, quite an issue. So. Um, I'm kind of curious, Meg, we've talked about Portage Bay, but I know there's been some good news out of Drayton Harbor. Have you got a minute maybe just to tell us about what's been happening there? Sure, yeah. So um, so Drayton Harbor sits, you know, north of Portage Bay, um, almost along the Canadian border. It uh, really is actually a part of Boundary Bay, which is that larger area, and um, into Drayton Harbor flow Dakota and California creeks. Um, so that's kind of the northwest um, portion of the county um, for the for folks that live up there. And um, and Drayton Harbor is also an important shellfish harvest area. Um, it's for commercial and and tribal purposes. And so, um, like you mentioned, Fred, um, early on, we had some closures in Drayton Harbor. Um, you know, over the past really twenty to thirty years, and in the last 
um, four and five years, we've seen some really great reopenings of shellfish harvest areas that were closed due to bacteria. Um, the most had recent celebration up there. We right? have Mul multiple celebrations. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they have a celebration. Yeah, yeah, we're on to our um, last year was our fourth annual celebration. Um, with a great turnout around Christmas, even in the cold, to just recognize folks that have been really taking special actions and then also to just celebrate with each other and eat free oysters and um, and enjoy the plaza there in Blaine. So um, we're sad to not be able to get together in person this year, but hopefully we'll find some way uh, to celebrate that. Just <laughs> a, another one of the millions of COVID casualties out there for <laughs> yeah. events and things that we used to do to celebrate and come together as a community. Meg Harris, uh, she's the Water Quality Data Coordinator with uh, the Whatcom Conservation District with us on the program. I'm Dylan Honkoop. And uh, this is The Farming Show. Fred Lickle, Executive Director of Whatcom Family Farmers, has been with us as well. Thanks to both of you for sharing uh, this morning. And obviously, not while it's an issue, there's been progress, as you guys have just been talking about. I mean, oftentimes the human reaction is, okay, well, that's getting better, so we'll focus our attention elsewhere. <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, you know, go put out other fires. Well, that doesn't mean we should take our focus off of trying to do, be doing everything we can all the time to pr protect our water quality, whether it's the farming community, our cities, like we were talking about earlier, people, walking pets, everybody needs to be in this together uh, and keep uh, the pressure on to uh, keep our water clean. So um, we, we thank you for the update here on the program and, and thanks for the work that you do, uh, Meg, as well to, to keep on top of this and keep everyone informed. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan, and congratulations. Thanks. <laughs>